Getting their little Teddy West internet boxes at the time. Yeah, people had like faster speed connections. And then with Axe, it was like, I think the video aspect and the interaction aspect, people could like interact with the artists similar to pirate radio, but you could see it was like watching a grindy being in live time sometimes. So then when he's looking around and he's seeing all these young guys on the street and they don't have any mentors, they don't have any coaches, they don't have any training, they don't have anybody, but they're actually still trying to do it. He was like, we have to support them. And they all that, yeah. support figures and who were your creative mentors? What mediums did you use to share musical discoveries with your friends and loved ones? What formats enabled you or your friends around you to create your own art? I'm Jay Chow, a local historian and journalist from Edmonton, North London. I love my neighbourhood, I love music and I'm on a quest to share the cultural heritage of the area Edmonton. This podcast tells the story of Axe FM. So what was Axe? An internet radio station in Edmonton's Bounces Road. It was groundbreaking for its innovations to radio and the online world by being the first internet radio station to play grime music and amongst the first to stream video before YouTube and Twitch. It gained a following amongst young people and musicians in 2004 to 2006 and it was run almost single-handedly by Paul Stewart, a.k.a. Pablo, a.k.a. Pabs. This station really nurtured local creativity through grime music, which was a musical genre, but I think more than that, it represented youth culture in London. This podcast is funded by the National Lottery Heritage Fund, so just a quick shout out to them. Thank you for that. This funding has been administered by Enfield Council. What platform is this? Some little waste, man, don't exist. Can't get in because you're not on the list. Go home, you're a piss like trigger and bass. I didn't grow up on trigger and bass. Know that you, man, grew up on coffee and bass. I just MC, I push keys of bass. Nobody watch no bass, I'm banging that free right outside my bass. God, no, can't keep up with the pace. I don't want to hear that, you want to liquid Babylon chase. Cause when it comes to Babylon, I must case. Hold these files, I'm talking. It's real. Tool boy. Select the tool boy, yeah. Back to back take off. Yeah, it's live. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right now. Meridian, yeah. Bloodline. Going out to Bossy, anti-paper pack. Going out to Skepta, JME. Okay, blood. 
I'm your ranger, no you're not major, President Manny Meridian Ranger. I got links all over the globe, even the poorest part of Asia. I got old school ties, so old school, these men still take pager. Hey Rudy, what's all that screaming for? It's type of thing, brother. You just heard Brez T doing a set with Bloodline Crew at Axe FM in December 06. Big H is there as well. So a bit about grime first. Grime music is a genre of music that came from London. It's a form of electronic music that developed from UK Garage initially. It's defined loosely by its instrumentals, which will be at a tempo of 140 beats per minute. And its MCs will deliver vocals over the top of these. While grime beats and grime MCs have been integral to each other's existence and development, the two can exist independently of one another, as seen as in singers and US rappers who might perform over a grime beat or a grime artist who performs over pop or another genre. Grime is framed by and creatively founded in its instrumentals, and I think it's more opened up to an infinite extent by its interpretation by MCs. I'm recording this in 2023 and I'm 27. When Axe FM was in Edmonton, I was in primary school. I didn't know about it at the time, but I do remember grime had a hold on people, specifically my schoolmates creating their own versions of Lethal Bizzle's Pow in English class. I went to school a bit further away, so I left northeast London, but I witnessed from afar that artists like Boy Better Know were blowing up, and they came from near where I lived. Grime in general wasn't something I interacted with beyond the odd YouTube video though. It was only later, as an adult, when I realised my love for electronic music that I really came into my love of grime. I saw how intertwined it was with other genres of dance music. Today with this story, I want to take us to the start of this genre. I think a lover of any genre can benefit from looking at its history. I saw this tweet by the grime producer Elijah the other day. He was saying people should tell their stories about a music genre in their own way and not repeat known narratives. Our favourite music has hit us all at different points and we need to celebrate the differences more in that. I wasn't going to add this bit into the podcast, but since I saw that tweet, here's a bit more. Basically, the reason that I love grime is because in my London immigrant experience, I haven't had a lot of culture come directly from my own family, and I'm trying to course correct it. Not only am I someone whose parents have uprooted themselves from China to the UK, but their parents before them got uprooted internally within China, meaning that I don't have much to hang on to in the way of a local Chinese culture. I always felt annoyed I couldn't cuss someone out in a Chinese dialect, for example, because my parents didn't know one. There's something very gratifying about people who see the subversive potential of words and the art in that. Grime and a lot of London music has been shaped by Caribbeans who intricately know what it is to transform culture when you've been moving from place to place. I can't equate a Chinese migrant's experience with a Caribbean's in any way, but I do wonder what productive thoughts there are to be had when you come together as diaspora. Above all, I want to say, if you want to talk about local history, then you need to talk about grime. I'm also trying to talk about the internet today. 
For me, it's always been a place of great possibility and a place where people can share their art with enthusiastic peers. People of colour specifically, black people, have been essential to the shaping of online culture. And I want to add a piece to that timeline. The story of Axe FM shows you the history of technology is black history and working class history. I spoke to various people involved in the project, Axe, to find out what happened. From the radio's tech consultants to its young mentees, they explained to me how caring friendship and semi-familial ties were the most important part of their creative process. Let's go. If you ask a grime artist what influenced their craft most, they'll probably say pirate radio. The station Axe FM was memorable for its clashes, and clashes are one-on-one competitions where MCs slag each other off to try and be crowned winner by listeners. But all types of radio sets were a chance for rhymers to use their wordplay and flow to impress. The clip you just heard is from a YouTube video of Axe I found. Let me try and describe it for you. There's a pixelated image there, and it shows a small booth with grey walls. And then there's four bopping heads from left to right. There's Scorcher, who had the first verse. Skepta, who you heard second. Scope, who was a DJ, he was on the decks, and he was a resident at Axe. And also Frisco, another MC, but you didn't hear him in the track just then. Crime MCs use wordplay to build up a inflated self-image and assert themselves. This was a big part of the craft, Kind of like when you play sports, you have to present the most competitive side of yourself because it makes for a better game. And with all games, humour and not taking yourself too seriously is a big part of it. It shows a lot of the time in the camaraderie people had on air. For some, the lyrics themselves were unserious. I love Terminator, who's from Edmonton. His bars would be about destruction and theft, physically incapacitating guys in really imaginative ways and kissing their mums. Here's a clip from him at Axe. Block, cause you make belief like mock. On your head on board like Bob, cause you're only bad in the flocks. I'll turn up at your job, grab your gob, make you take annual leave. Cause you have to see the docks. Now I'm pissed off. I'm gonna turn up at your docks, grab around your crops, slam your head on the concrete. I'm bouncing ahead like shocks. You earn a couple of notes cause you been sniffing the bad man socks. And it's T in the near future. I'm gonna turn up outside your house. Run to your mum's bedroom and confiscate your mum's blouse. Run to your bedroom. Tie it round your neck, drag you off your bed, smear you across the room and break connect. Cause I'm that raw type. I'm calm, I'm not high. If you get on my wrong side, I'll damage your windpipe, put you in eight and eight so you miss your flight. There would be no hype. I'll just turn up at night And it's tea hey, hey. I can't hide the fact That my flow's in the darkest patch My flow is hatched 
in the dark side of the batch. My flow will only attract evil guys, shower man them, and guys that evolved in crack. So good. So I wanted to hear the story of the station. I had a few leads around Pablo, Paul Stewart, who I'd mentioned to you earlier. I've seen that he was involved with setting it up. I wanted to find out more about him, so I started reaching out to DJs at the station and to family members of Paul. I mostly found them through social media. They amazingly started fleshing out the story of the station for me. Essentially, Pabs got the idea after bouncing ideas off of two younger people in his life. One was his foster brother, and another was a young rapper who called himself Rhymestein. This is around 2003. Pabs is in his mid-twenties and Rhymes is in his early twenties. Pabs met Rhymestein at Rhymes' home studio in Arnus Grove in Enfield. Rhymestein had various difficulties with his family life and Pabs became alternate family to him. That first time when they met, Rhymes showed Pabs his music and they immediately clicked. He actually came up to the studio, the home studio now. So they wants to work. So they wants to get me on some shows at Scala, like MCing with him. So like, yeah, sounds good. And then I remember when he was leaving, he was like, yo, I know I got to Greyfield when he met Eminem. Yeah, that gassed me up. Rhymestein's from Tottenham originally. His father was a musician and organised a sound system. Rhymes wrote lyrics from the age of seven. So like, music was just always around me from a young age, but I never really had interest in it. I wanted to be the Black Bill Gates. But <laughs> the hood said no. The two of them decided to set up a grime station that you could tune into online, where you could watch a video broadcast of the sets. That's kind of came up in the broadband era. And internet radio stations prior to that was, was in the dial-up where the audio was kind of bad and barely streamable. Video was even worse. It wouldn't be worth trying to stream video on your dial-ups. We came at a good time where broadband was pretty new. Everybody was getting they was getting their little telewest internet boxes at the time. People had like faster speed connections. And then with Axe, it was like, I think the video aspect and the interaction aspect, people could like interact with the artists, similar to pirate radio, but you could see it was like watching a grand DVD in, in live time sometimes. So I feel like all those elements, especially to like grime audience, was kind of young. Like it was, it was like kids and people going into adulthood. So it was like, yeah, this it was lit. It was cool and it was kind of new. Rhymestein was really into coding. He had a vision for the technical execution of the station. He and Pabs had been discussing it for a while. He told me what he said that time that he finally convinced Pavs to start the project with him. I know you don't want to do no radio station until your thing's set up in your garden. And we don't have equipment anyway. We don't have decks and stuff. But let me just, I need to build this website. So then built the website, renamed it, called it Axe FM. I was in like a crew that was made up of a couple little crews. And all of us had X in the name of our crews. So then the crew that we formed was called Affiliation X. So X originally stood for <laughs> Affiliation X Entertainment. So much people don't know this. You know how much, so much people don't even know it started in Enfield. Well, that was the real, the real birth of X, friggin' out. 
Then they had to launch it. Then we used to go everywhere, go into all the popular chat rooms, spam the link, get kicked out. Oh my God, yeah, it was crazy back then. You can actually see a version of the site on the Internet Archive now. It's black and red with bullet holes, slashes, a graffiti font. I like it because it's not corporate like a lot of the internet is right now. It takes you back to another era when the internet was a less polished, more personal place. I really liked speaking to Rhymes. I, I was happy he reached out to me. Um, his story's great. I think he's what you would think of when you describe someone as like a gifted artist. The music he made during the Axe era went on to influence many people. This included the late SBTV founder Jamal Edwards. Jamal's spitter pseudonym was actually Younger Rhymestein. Not only was Rhymes skilled at writing, he had a hobby of programming and he got kicked out of school for hacking the computers. He says he wishes he'd done computer science, but he faced barriers. A lot of the enthusiasm for Axe's online concept and aesthetic came from Rhymestein, but others were involved in putting it together as well. It was technical, it was like knowing how to configure the player, configure the streaming server, to do load balancing between two servers to make sure that you can cope with if there's demand, all that kind of stuff. That's Steve Smith. Steve joined the project as a tech consultant, originally on a commission for £200. I say that for you just to kind of give you an idea of the scale of what we're talking about here. It's a small thing, like one or two people. Steve ended up becoming really good friends with Pabs because he realised they had so much in common. But his main job was developing the Flash player for the streaming video. So it was like Pirate Station, but being done on the level of what any big station could have done at that point in time. That was what really hit home to me, speaking to these guys. Axe was the first internet grime station. It was also a highly ambitious project. If you think of doing video stream in 2004, that's way before Twitch and just on the cusp of YouTube hitting the mainstream. I would think something like that would take a team of developers or lots of investment to test and run if you wanted to make it from scratch. And I'm kind of scratching my head because if you like grime, I think you would be right to be surprised if you hadn't heard about Axe FM before. And why haven't you heard about it? Obviously, underground projects like radio aren't something that get a lot of attention in general. They don't make much money. There are a lot of blood, sweat, tears and pure passion to run. And artists go off to bigger and better places when they get big. Places that are not radio. Another theory I would give is because there are so many numerous and diffuse ways that the authorities and the market suppresses radical cultural products of black people, some of which are less explicitly about music and some directly written into law. So take Form 696. That's a piece of legislation that led to the cancellation of a lot of grime events. This is a form that got scrapped in 2017. These days, 
I think other things are taking its place, like licensing and planning laws that get in the way of doing more experimental events and music. I've got a question for anyone who likes going out. Do you see more smaller scale experimental events for people of colour now compared to before? I don't. Okay, I want to go into a bit of this story that I think is really cool and beautiful. I want to explain a bit about how acts use technology to play with geography a bit. Grime gets really specific about places, which is something I really like about it. It's so important to have an art form that establishes a connection to the place you live. There's so many reasons it's important. For example, with gentrification, developers and other powers that be are constantly vying for ownership over places. With the hostile environment, anyone who doesn't have an official documentation to live in the country has a difficult time living in safety. And with policing, the Met wants to be able to control the movements of people they see as criminals to make them watch their steps, to hurry them out of public spaces, to imprison them. If you can speak back to that, if you can say, these are my ends, this is where I'm from, I think that is so important. So the musical genre already there will be a lot of shouting out, a lot of representing the ends and acknowledgement of people's home. This is also an aspect of pirate radio in terms of having a broadcast that covers a specific area. The radio would offer spaces for local artists to develop themselves as well. This has a long history beyond grime, but I was just focusing on this era. I wanted to learn a bit more. So I posted on Reddit asking about how people were sharing grime in the early 2000s. Manga St. Hilaire said that it was radio for him and highlighted how there were pockets in each locality where grime was really popular and artists felt the radio stations belonged to them. He's a grime artist from the crew Roll Deep. He had this to say to me, and I'm reading here. Everyone had their own pirate stations and tapes would circulate locally. Grime was more than a genre. It was literally youth culture at one point, so you couldn't really escape it. I'm from northwest London and we had Freeze FM, West London had Lalo FM, East had Rinse and Deja Vu, and South had On Top FM. So you get the feeling that pockets of community had stations for themselves. So that's FM radio. I've been telling you how Axe is so special because it was internet. These days, internet radio is pretty successful. If 
fans of electronic music or people who want to expand their musical horizons might tune into something like NTS, which has stations in several cities internationally. These small stations, mostly on the internet, will pop up all the time. Off of the top of my head, in London I can think of Threads, Voices, Foundation FM, they're all quite new internet stations. In the 2000s, internet stations were coming up a bit, but they catered to really niche audiences. And I'm not saying now as well, internet radio is huge, but they do have quite a larger following. And major stations at that time didn't really focus on setting up the internet stream. So I'm talking like BBC, Radio 1. They didn't didn't internet streams because they had another thing, DAB, and they were focusing on FM radio as well. So if you were on internet, you probably had a really small, dedicated audience. So Grimes really geographically specific, and the radio stations are geographically specific. They literally only cover a certain area. But with internet, you can change all that because you can connect to your broadband and go anywhere in the world. AxFM realised that using the internet meant it could cast its net widely to its younger audience from the outset in 2004. It had this technological novelty and a sense of grassroots that meant it attracted a large, dispersed listenership of teens and young adults. At the height of its listeners, Axe had 2,000 people tuning in at one time, which was essentially the same as going viral. At the same time, the music, audience and content was absolutely local. I spoke to someone called Adam Holness. He's from Edmonton originally. He works as a music curator and he's currently the contemporary program director at the South Bank Centre. He told me about his experience listening to Axe FM. When I was a teenager, my parents got divorced and I moved out of London for a few years. I went to secondary school in Hertfordshire with my mum where she moved to. When that happened, I felt very disconnected from the music and the culture that I that had felt like such a big part of my life. And so I spent a lot of my time trying to connect to it as best as I could. Like I had, <laughs> I had like on my bedroom window, foil around the window frame connected to my radio player so that I could still pick up Choice FM from Hertfordshire. And it just about worked. So for me, like logging into online radio and listening to music that felt like it was by my peers, could have been by my friends, where I was from was really important to me. It felt like a way to connect to who I am, who I was at the time. Oh, I think it's amazing the idea that all these young people could be tuned into something and for it to resonate deeply in all these different places. On broadcast radio, listeners would phone and text with their comments or they might ring to request rewinds of a song that they enjoyed. On Axe, listeners shared their thoughts via the online chat room as well as MSN Messenger. Rebecca was regularly involved with the station. She moderated the chat rooms and hosted shows until the age of 17. Her musical alias was Honey G. 
She started listening to Axe when she was 13. For me, like, Peterborough was quite a challenging place for me growing up. And I felt that although I had to travel two and a half hours to Edmonton, that was my safe space and I thoroughly enjoyed being there. And Pabs was such an amazing teacher, someone that could really guide you and and actually taught me a lot about life as well as outside of Peterborough and things that could be going on during your life there, that there are other opportunities out there. You just have to find them. And the passion that I had for that radio station obviously kind of, I'd say, reflected in the two hours I would travel every day. I genuinely think I just stumbled upon it. I might have been on Facebook. But as soon as I'd found that website, I was I was literally on it every day if I couldn't make it down. There were a lot of things that perhaps would post on YouTube as well. He'd always be on the camcorder recording things. Accessing the internet was really different in that time. So I used to watch it quite a lot during the evening, really, mostly. Unless I was there, then obviously I'd be there from the whole day, pretty much. The laptop I had was, I don't know, it's three inches thick. And it was a Toshiba my brother had given me when I was like 11. So you can imagine how old that laptop was and how heavy that laptop was. Um, and when it didn't work for me and I couldn't listen to Axe FM, it was just kind of a bit of a nightmare. <laughs> but yeah, some old school laptop sitting down at my dining table to be honest, my mum couldn't really get a word out of me because i am literally got my headphones in and I'm glued to, to access them to the chat room or MSN when it used to be our MSN messenger, talking to people on there, communicating with everyone in the chat room. We always used to have just a little, just a, a good laugh, you know. And before I'd met any of the artists that used to have regular sets on Axe FM, I'd already had a conversation with them, we'd already cracked joke, we'd already had a laugh before I'd even been there, you know. And it was just something that, although whatever I had going on, in the background that was my kind of escape and uh, I yeah I loved it <laughs> I loved it so yeah. Axe FM provided specific support to people locally but provided an open environment to anyone experiencing youth oppression. I think this is true for the genre of grime in a wider sense and you can see this in the way that the genre found a mainstream audience in the 2010s across the UK, as well as internationally, when artists began popping up at music festivals as headliners. There's one thing I haven't mentioned up until now. Pabs died in 2016 of cancer, in his 40s. It's why I don't have an interview with him. Pabs left a widow, Lisa, as well as a son and two daughters. Lisa runs a hair salon in Old Street. It's here she tells me about how the two of them met at a car garage off Lordship Lane in Tottenham. And listen to this story because I love it. Somebody hit my car or I hit somebody and my bumper fell off. Drove into a garage in Tottenham. You know where Lordship Lane is? There used to be a garage there. And I went in and he was working there. It was working like for free just when he came out anyway. He was doing an apprenticeship, basically. Kept staring at me. So, um... He came up to me and said, oh, I can do it for you privately if you want. He was trying to give me his number, but his boss saw. He said, don't let him give you a number because you're going to get a sack. <laughs> so anyway, I took his number secretly. <laughs> me, I was just thinking about getting my bumper fixed for free. That's what I thought I was going to, you know, or cheap. So anyway, we just that's how we met. And then we, he did fix my bumper in the end. <laughs> so sweet. Lisa and tech consultant Steve Smith were old school friends from Tottenham by pure coincidence. 
I wanted to talk to them to get an insight into the type of person Pabs was and his goal with the station. Lisa and Steve said that Pabs's main ambition with Axe was a social one. He got involved in the music industry in general, you know, so he was dealing with lots of people and trying to make things happen and, and promoting people. Wanted to, to really and truly was to get the child, the kids off mm. the streets yes. to do something like DJ, MC, you know, yeah. the music business because the kids used to love it. Mm. So get them to stop, like, you know, robbing or stealing. Yeah. yeah. That's what, that was his goal. And it worked. The impact of Pab's death reached so widely, with artists like Big Nasty, Logan Sama, Spooky Bizzle and others paying tribute in messages online as well as performing at a remembrance event. Skepta tweeted RIP XFM Pabs, took the mandem off the streets and made them see the bigger picture. Respect. The amount of lives that it turned around is quite yeah, crazy. so many. You know, it's literally crazy. Whether so-and-so who was at risk of getting stabbed up or shot, whether it's, you know, people are risking their own homes with their parents, abuse and stuff like that, he would intervene. And he wasn't scared of nothing. I remember when he first saw me. This is DJ Naughty talking about pubs. He's also known as Nathan, or under his present-day moniker, N. Fostel. Naughty was amongst the first producers to make another genre of music that defined the 2000s, UK Funky. UK Funky was popular throughout the mid to late 2000s. It had a resurgence in the late 2010s, which has influenced artists like Drake. But mostly it hasn't been the most mainstream genre. DJ Naughty's from Tottenham. He went to school in St Ignatius College in Enfield. He played at Axe when he was a teenager. He started off playing mostly garage, but took on a taste for dance tracks with an Afro influence and more syncopated beats. For a couple of years, alongside peers like Apple... NG and Genius, Naughty DJed and made music that had a slightly different sound and it didn't have a name until others began to describe it as Funky House and UK Funky around 2008. Now he predominantly produces House and he's signed to the actor and musician Idris Elba's music label. He was telling me about the time he first met Pabs. He was very polite, he was cool, he hadn't seen me play yet. As soon as I touched the decks, I think it, I was like two or three tunes in. He had an event the week after. So it was in Scala nightclub in King's Cross with um, a promoter called um, Tony McMahon. And the event was called Exposure. So that's a really popular garage event at that time. For years, actually, even previously, it had made its name. So like to play on that lineup was a big deal for someone who was pretty unknown. Nathan told me he's really grateful for how much belief Pabs had in him. For one of the sets that Pabs booked him on at Scala Club in London, Pabs put Naughty on the lineup straight after Tough Nuff from Tough Jam. Pablo, he knew how to identify a talent, but also capitalise on it as well. So when he saw what I was doing, he was like, yeah, I'm going to throw you in the deep end. You're going to play prime time after this veteran. 
like, let's see what you could do. And he had faith in me, really. Like, one thing about Pablo, he had faith in the artist. He was a good visionary. He could identify when an artist is really talented or if they're not just talented, they have a future as well. So he identified the likes of Scorcher, Black the Ripper, Wretch Free 2 as well. The way he contributed, it was giving them studio time. And, you know, look, he was that person who would mention your name in a room where it needs to be heard. Like, he, he made sure those people got heard. Rebecca, aka Honey G, agrees with that. Paul would, he would see talent and um, appreciate the talent as well. And it's something that sometimes you don't know if you have it in you as much until someone kind of actually says, look... Like, do you not think sometimes you need someone to just be like, wow, like, you're really good. Like, you've got talent, you know? And he was such a reassuring, supportive person that if, if it came out of his mouth and he, you know, he was so passionate about people that had passion. He was just... <laughs> he was just the best. So that's Rhymestein again. I'm quite gassed on myself, really. I like to think I'm quite special. And like, he was as well. He was like an older, upgraded, special. So I was, he was just the best mentor, the best everything. I'm so glad that I was able to share in these people's reflections on someone who was important to them. So, you've heard a wide variety of testimonies here. There's so many people that this one project touched, and many more uninterviewed, a number of whom have sadly passed on. In the orbit of acts, you can find so many people who improved their craft because they were challenged by communities, from DJs who needed to build their audience to spitters who improved themselves for their peers by clashing and doing radio sets. But I don't want you to forget the dynamics. Musical movements have always been born from imbalances of power in culture. Not able to participate in the mainstream music business all the time, black music has been born from the ingenuity of creators who persisted in the margins. Music writer Lloyd Bradley calls it a savvy outlaw mentality. The story of grime is merely the most successful trajectory of a story that's been going on in London for many eras. Grime on the internet, its dances and radio are an inheritance of sound system culture, for example. I would encourage you to look into all of these roots and threads that lead you back in time. Hopefully, I've shown you that history of music in London is inseparably intertwined with black history. The story of Axe FM also talks about 
entrepreneurialism, community care and connection through the digital world. This one project in a relatively isolated North London suburb allowed creativity to blossom for a short and beautiful time. If I can leave you listeners with a prompt, I would ask you to remember and think about your community. What relationships are most important to you? And what innovation do you need to champion through questioning the dynamic shaping London's musical landscape? Thanks you lot. Till next time. Jade signing out. But man, I got that bigger than the apartment. Fuel sound anywhere, greedy departed. All them other man are just living in the party. If they ain't singing, I ain't one of the artists. I'm in a bigger money sound from them time. Now I had LOL, last one laughing. Any indirects would get dumps back. Frig on the head top, man can't chance it. Sky them like fish, there's no skylarking. Beef with my bro, I hit the target. Doubt that I'll miss. Marksman. Yeah, man. So gonna sing, I ain't half in one of the best hands down, just like half six. Why them man used to chat about my glasses? Now I can't see them anymore. That's awkward. To the G's that I'm with, yeah, I'll go to war for my realest G's I will break too low for MC's get eight with a four-four Violate, that's what I load up corn for From a little nigga with a money man extra Yeah, start my thing, a whole different texture Oh, you forgot I was a Samboy killer? Cool, you will get flows left, right and centre They can't get over it I'm so cold with it, switch up my tone for it Cut out the red meat, now nah, I can't go for it Heard that it's beef, yeah, I'm all over it Draw right, really, I shouldn't have time for it Try no, you can still hold two, buy for it S-O-U-N-D, boy, killer, my driller on deck You could get stabbed with it Bye.